0: Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Buery, and as always, I'm with earthquake nerd, Dr. Lucy Jones. We'd like to thank our supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society, which allows us to serve so many communities through this podcast and the many other projects we undertake. So now let's get to it. What does it mean when you have a lot of earthquakes? It's a question we get asked a lot. And Lucy, you're often quoted as saying, when you have a lot of earthquakes, you have a lot of earthquakes. I think you try to be both a little bit flippant, but also there's some truth to that. It's part of what happens with swarms, as we talked about in episode 19. But Lucy, let's get nerdy today. Let's just not talk about it at the surface. What's behind this statement? What does it actually
1: mean? We're talking about one of the most fundamental characteristics of earthquakes. Take a group of earthquakes, any group, and we will see that there are many more small earthquakes than large ones. But not just that, that relationship is actually very well-defined. It's a well-defined distribution. It means we can fit an equation to it, and the equation does a great job of predicting the data. And it's not just that we have a lot of earthquakes. We can tell you how many there will be.
0: I told you we're going to go nerdy, so
1: let's go deep here. Can you explain this equation? It's called the Gutenberg-Richter relationship. You all know Richter and Gutenberg was his boss. They developed the concept of magnitude. And as soon as they had it, they saw this fit that worked very well. The traditional approach uses base 10 logarithms. And the number of earthquakes goes up by 10 to the B, B as in boy power. It's an equation for each unit of magnitude that goes down. That means if we go down by one unit of magnitude, say from magnitude 5 to magnitude 4, we will see 10 to the b power more earthquakes. B is a variable, and it's usually something close to 1. Let's assume it's 1 for now so we can talk about it. 10 to the power of 1 is just 10. 10 to the 2 power is 100. So for every one magnitude 5, we would expect to see 10 magnitude 4s. For two units of magnitude, it's now 100. For three units, it's 1,000, et cetera.
0: Does this apply to specific groupings
1: of a specific size or size range or a geographic location? As far as we can tell, it applies to any grouping, as long as you have enough earthquakes to actually see the distribution. If you take one aftershock sequence, all the aftershocks to the Northridge earthquake, you see it. If you take all the earthquakes in the world over a year or a century, you see it. And everything in between. However, if you've got just one aftershock sequence, particularly, you might get a B value that's somewhat different from one. And that's when the arguments begin.
0: It wouldn't be science without arguments, though, right? I mean, you always say that the best science is that which is debated among experts to make it better.
1: This is the scientific process as we try to figure things out. When we stop arguing, then you know that it's ready for public policy.
0: Sort of like climate change, right? We spent decades where there was scientific debate. And now all the data and all the scientific evidence points to that climate change is happening quickly and it's due to human action or inaction to stop it. The scientific arguments are over.
1: However, for B value, we are not through with the debate, even though we've been looking at this for almost 100 years. Some scientists think that we get a different B value in, say, one aftershock sequence just because there are not enough quakes to really, really know. One way to think about this is that there's this inherent distribution of earthquakes that's like balls in a big bucket. And when an earthquake begins, you're reaching in and pulling out a ball that will determine what the magnitude is. The number of balls in that bucket are defined by this equation, and random chance says you might sometimes pull out a different set of them. So what's on the other side of that debate? Well, actually, I'm sort of more on the other side, especially when it gets to earthquake sequences. I tend to think there's a real variation in B value. You only get so many aftershocks, so you can't absolutely prove it. And the type of variation we see is not huge. It's not like we're ever going to see 10 magnitude fives for each one magnitude four. But maybe there are really some places where we get 15 magnitude fours for each magnitude five, or maybe only six magnitude fours for every magnitude five. There's some places where we're quite certain that that difference is real, and that's in volcanic regions. That's a place where the rock is really hot. It's maybe partially molten. With that heat and extra fluids, we see very high B values, and that does appear to be real. There's also the issue that magnitude is a somewhat arbitrary quantity. It's not like it's a really tightly tied to the physics of how the earthquake happens. So there isn't an obvious physical reason that the B value has to always be equal to one. That's sort of saying our, the 10 fingers on our hands matter and such things. There are some older papers that have connected variations in B-value to stress state.
0: So is this debate about B-value really a debate about the stress in the earth?
1: To some extent, yes. And therefore, the answer might eventually come from some other piece of data. I think overall, we know it's pretty stable, but I have two situations I look at that make me question whether B-value is always one. One is that if you look down just on one fault. Take the San Andreas fault where it breaks in the magnitude eights. That's only a kilometer or less in the earth. And when you get that narrow, planar feature, you don't see B value. You see magnitude eights and we don't see little ones. We talked about that just a couple of weeks ago. To get a B value, you need to define your fault as as like the whole state of California. So there's something physically going on there in the earth with where you can actually break through with a big earthquake.
0: Is that just for one fault that's large like the San Andreas? Is that a unique fault? Because we have more than 300 faults in Southern California alone. Do each of those in isolation not follow this, or is it just the San Andreas?
1: The San Andreas is the most different And sort of the more well-developed the fault is, the bigger the earthquakes, the fewer the small ones, and therefore the farther it gets away from this distribution. But this tells me that there's a physical process that's going on that gets obscured when you group everything in to look at the B value. I've also seen situations when they're in just one sequence. About 20 years ago, We had never had small earthquakes near the San Andreas, down by Bombay Beach and the Salton Sea. In the intervening 20 years, we've now seen it happen several times. But that first one, when it happened, we were really concerned because suddenly we're having earthquakes by the San Andreas. But also, it was a group of magnitude 3s. There were like a dozen magnitude 3s and essentially no magnitude 1s or 2s. And that wasn't recording. We have good sets of sensors there. So we saw a dozen magnitude 3s without the small earthquakes at all. And that was part of why we issued an advisory about our concern on what was going on in the Southern San Andreas. It got lost in the noise. It was right after 9-11 and government was focused on other things. But that situation, it would have been extremely improbable that that happened solely because we picked by random chance those sets of earthquakes. I saw that and I have to believe it. it was a real physical change of something going on. Once the largest earthquake in that sequence happened, we suddenly started seeing the ones and twos again. So again, it looked like there was a physical stress change that led to a change in that distribution. With only a dozen earthquakes, I can't prove to every statistician it had to be that case, but I find it hard to believe that it could be totally random chance.
0: So to get back to it, where we started, when you have a lot of earthquakes, you have a lot of earthquakes, which means the earth is more seismically active, resulting in more earthquakes. And it matters really when we feel it or know about this activity. If this activity was happening and we didn't know about it, we didn't feel it, it wouldn't matter to us. But it helps us get through it because we know it's normal and we know to expect something more when we have a lot of earthquakes. We should be less surprised when we have earthquakes around the same time and the same area. So we'll leave it there for now. And until next time, I'm John buary with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows. Our music is performed by Josh Lee, and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.